0: hello and welcome to right where you are i am kainisa exploring humans and humanity and what better way to do it than through the lens that is the human eye the end of season two of the Right Where You Are podcast. I've been thinking of ways to wrap up this season and initially I thought I'd just do a recap episode where we literally just recap and we speak about what we've spoken about and how it all connects, everything that was said in this season. And then I actually ended up just procrastinating, recording that. And then I was wondering, why am I procrastinating? Why do I not want to record this recap episode? And then I realized way after that, oh, I'm just procrastinating that because I actually think it's pretty boring. (laughs) I think it's boring. I don't find that interesting. And so instead today, I want to offer you something that's not boring And I want to share with you a story. And this is something I definitely want to do a lot more of on this podcast. I want to share a whole lot more stories uh, and just to share my experiences with you. Firstly, because who doesn't love a good story? And I mean, I don't know about you, but I love to invest in a story uh, I don't know. I haven't watched any of those TikToks, but the the 85 part TikTok of the lady talking about, you know, why she married this man. What's it called? Who, who did I marry? I'm not on TikTok, but it seems as though people were really invested in that. Uh, that's just to say humans love a good story. <laughs> and so I want to share my stories because I think that on this podcast, I actually share very valuable lessons. Uh, and a lot of the time, I just give the lesson on its own and never, you know, perhaps the, the experiences in my life that led me to that lesson, or perhaps, you know, just just the story. Because I think a lot of the time, lessons translate a lot better when there's a story behind it. We We tend to Take things in a lot better when there's something behind it for us to relate to. It's a lot easier to remember a thing when there's a story behind it. It's a lot easier when, you know, I can think about a certain thing as how can this exist in the real world? And so I want to do a lot more of that. I want to share my stories and this little series of me sharing stories that will continue in. Uh, season three of this podcast and probably for the lifespan of this podcast. We're calling these little episodes where I'm sharing stories. We're calling them story of the moral because I've given you the moral. I can't. My R's are not coming out the best today. I mean, they never do, but today it seems to be worse. <laughs> but uh, I've given you the moral, but I've never given you the story. So, instead of giving you the moral of the story right now, I want to give you the story of the moral. And to be honest with you, like I said, who doesn't love a good story? Part of the reason I'm doing this is for the art of storytelling, for the juice, for the drama, for the wow and the mmm and the ooh and the ah. <laughs> um let me think. There was another reason I wanted to do this. Yes, another reason I'm doing this little series I'm calling Story of the Moral is because I will be sharing stories. A lot of these episodes that are titled Um, or that are branched under, you know, story of the moral, will exist, Uh, they will exist as stories, but I also want to create practical ways for us to take the lessons that we've spoken about and turn them into a practical, embodied, and lived experience, right? So here's this beautiful thing that we've spoken about. For example, a whole lot of what we spoke about in the season was surrender. Here's this beautiful thing where when we're talking about it it's, it, it's just an idea, it's just a thought. But how can we take this and live the thing? You know, and so under story of the moral, I do also want to share perhaps sometimes a journal prompts and journal practices and maybe uh, somatic practices and meditation practices and you know, thought experiments. Just ways for you to take this beautiful story, this beautiful, I mean, this beautiful moral and turn it into a story, to take this beautiful lesson and to embody it and to live it. Uh, but we'll see how that goes as, you know, the season unfolds. Another reason I want to share before I share this story, uh, another reason I just want to share stories with you generally Is for the sake of intimacy. I do think it's a beautiful way for you to get to know me. And I do want to take this idea of story of the moral further and find ways for me to get to know you. But I'm still figuring all of that out. I do have some really cool ideas, but once things start coming together well, I will definitely let you know. So those are the reasons for the art of storytelling, for intimacy. For taking these morals and turning them into stories, for taking these abstract thoughts and ideas and turning them into real embodied lived experiences. So, yes, let's get into the actual story for today. This story, I actually didn't think about it this way the entire time I was creating season two, but I You know, I'm thinking about it now and I'm realizing this is an experience in my life that actually very beautifully summarizes and like puts together all of the episodes in season two. And this is the story of a breakup and a heartbreak. I like the word break over here. It was a breakup, a break, a breakup, a heartbreak. I don't like to call it a heartbreak. Let's call it a heart opening. And uh, this heartbreak, heart opening led to a minty b, but not minty b as in a mental breakdown. More like a mental breakthrough. You know what I'm saying? I love, I love that. <laughs> love playing with the word break over there. But this is kind of like one of those stories where you know someone hurts you. And then you, you feel very, you know, you feel hurt and for some time you see them as a villain and then, you know, you you just, you kind of don't want to connect with them. You're like, oh my God, this person has hurt me. This person is such a terrible person or whatever, whatever the thought there is, whatever the feelings you might have towards this person. And then after some time, your perspective widens. Maybe you have a conversation with this person or maybe, you know, you experience something where you hurt someone else the way, this exact same way that this other person had hurt you, whatever, um, but your, your perspective broadens and then you realize, oh, uh, this person who had initially hurt me, there was a lot more to their story. They are this complex human being uh, and and you learn to forgive them, perhaps, because, you know, you, you can understand where their actions that harmed you, where those came from. It's kind of like one of those stories, except the difference is, uh, in this story, I was the person who had hurt the next person. So, to... Just lay the foundation of the story. I want to tell you the reason for this breakup. the The reason for the ending of this romantic relationship. Uh, and uh, something people always want to know in stories of breakups is who broke up with who, right? It's it's one of those things. Um, <laughs> and in this story, he broke up with me. Okay. And the reason that he gave for making that decision to end our romantic relationship was, I mean, it was manifold but kind of the main thing was that at the time I would have friends in my life who, you know, okay, so it happened in two ways. I'd either have friends who I'm not aware have a romantic interest in me or i have people in my life i am aware have a romantic interest in me but i i mean i i didn't have a romantic interest in them and so i was wasn't saying yes to them but i also wasn't saying no Right, So I had this lack of boundaries, but then I had people in my life because I'm also very, I'm very blind to many social cues. I don't have a lot of dating experience. So sometimes I I don't know what's flirting. And so sometimes I'm not flirting with someone, I'm just being nice. And then it turns out that they perceived it as flirting. And there are times where I'm like, oh, this person wants to be my friend. This person is so nice. Turns out that is not what is happening. And this was actually a pretty uh, sad realization because a lot of these people were men. Uh, Assume here that I'm speaking. When I say men, assume that I'm speaking of the, the general term used to you, you you get what I'm saying. I'm not going to do all that gender explaining right now. Uh, but a lot of these people who maybe I wasn't aware that they had a romantic interest in me and I thought this person wants to be my friend. Uh, and then I'd realize, oh, this person, actually, there's more to it. And then it was the realization that, oh, a lot of men just don't see me as a woman, don't see me as a human, they don't see me as an equal, you know, that they, they can't just be in connection with me, that to them, there's something that they can get out of that connection. And that in itself was very heartbreaking to realize, but it was this breakup that made me realize this, that, oh, this is, this is how things are with many people, that this is how, you know, many men Think And this is how they see me. This is how they look at me. Uh, And this is how they look at other women. And then it was the realization of how, oh, this is actually a bigger societal problem. Uh, But this was the reason for this breakup, uh, that I would have these people in my life and not be aware of the fact that, you know, they were seeing me in this way. I was naive enough to believe these people want to be my friends. And then, of course, like I said, there were the people who would show romantic interest and, you know, they, they would tell me, but I wasn't able to say no. Right and this is also another bigger societal thing it's definitely a gender socialization thing the the inability to to stand up for myself as a woman the especially you know when it has to do with men to stand up to for myself to a man and to say no uh, it's uh, it's this reaction of fawning you know, of I don't want you to harm me, so I'm not going to say no, because I'm afraid that you'll receive my no in in a way that will, you know, aggravate you and anger you, and that might cause harm. So then what I do is I fawn. You know, that's one of the survival responses where, you know, you can't run from thinking now. Like, it's one of the the more... It's one of the survival responses that developed way later. Because like I know to freeze was the first response, you know, um, when there's danger right in front of you and the best way to save yourself is to maybe play dead, you know, or to just stay still and hope that the, the predator doesn't see you. And then we learned, okay, maybe I can run, uh, which is flight. Maybe I can, uh, I can fight back but fawning is actually a very sophisticated response because it's like you know if if a lion is trying to hurt me if a lion is right here trying to eat me uh i i can't run away i know that cuz it's going to catch me i can't fight it cuz i'm not going to win that fight i can't freeze because i know that you know it's it's a mammal and so that's not how uh, its biology works. That's not. It's not going to be convinced by that. And so maybe the only response I have is to like brush its mane and tell it I'm 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 going to be nice to you. Or maybe you can you can just we can negotiate. You can just have my arm. Um, so that was the response that I had a lot of the time, and that led to this breakup. I do sense that there was a lot more behind my ex's reasoning to break up because I do think just like this one occurrence or like these these occurrences of having people in my life who are interested in me and not being able to say no and just all of that I think that clearly is something that symbolizes something bigger in my own life uh but i do think just on their own they had many more reasons that they weren't very willing to communicate with me i did ask i did say hey can you talk me through the thought process how did you end up coming to this decision and they they weren't very willing to you know to open up to me and to share those things with me and I was hurt by that but we'll come back to all the ways that you know I felt hurt right now the thing here is the realization that I was in this romantic relationship and having this happen with all these other people and the biggest realization the biggest lesson in all of this was that I have the capacity to cause harm You know, so here I am uh, reacting in this way, almost out of survival uh, with all these people, but not realizing that my actions and even just like my responses and the way that I'm living my life has the capacity to cause harm, to hurt another person. And I didn't realize it until the moment of the actual breakup that, oh, this behavior and not just the behavior like who i am was hurting this person all along right and this had never you know this had never registered it's not something i had ever thought of because i don't think i'm i'm someone who wants to intentionally harm others right i'm not one to intentionally cause harm Uh, And so I don't identify as that either, right? A very big part of my identity is that... I'm I'm this peaceful person I'm almost a passive person uh which is very ironic because it is my passi- passivity that caused this to begin with it is my lack of aggression it's my I can't harm people therefore I don't say no to people because I'm protecting people from their own feelings uh well that which is what you know on the surface it looks like but really I'm protecting myself but I I don't have the aggression to say no to people but in in the same breath uh, I, I think of myself as this peaceful person uh, I don't have aggression but this same lack of aggression this identity of peacefulness uh, made me unaware of the the fact that I can hurt someone and this lack of aggression actually um, made me identify with this so much so that you know I tend tended to to cause harm without knowing. And I'm aware here that I know that it wasn't my intention. It wasn't my intention to cause harm, but still harm occurred, you know? And uh, also just the realization that me causing harm, sure, yes, it wasn't my intention, but the biggest thing there is that it, it came from my own wounds. You know, it's not that I intentionally just decided I'm going to hurt this person in this way. My behavior came from my own wounds, from my own pain, from my own unmet needs and my own survival strategies, right? Uh, And... It was, it was through this, just like all this thinking, um, all these realizations happening all at once that I realized, yes, I am capable of causing harm, even though I don't identify as someone who can cause harm. Right. Like, I just, I want to emphasize here that this is such a, to this day, it's such a big part of my identity. I'm like, I'm vegan. I'm not even harming the animals Right. It's such a big part of my identity, but I held on to the identity so much that, you know, in as it's happening, like in real time, as I'm causing harm, I can't see it. And so uh, just this part of causing harm and identifying with, oh, no, I I don't cause harm and how, you know, we tend to hurt people uh, often because we ourselves are hurt in certain ways. Uh, All of this together really relates to two episodes that were connected in the season. And these are the episodes, Dirtiness is Next to Godliness. And then the other episode was, I am the corrupt politician. So the episode, Dirtiness is Next to Godliness that episode was about how the experience of duality, the experience of being human and therefore the experience of duality often means that there are parts of reality and parts of self that we tend to discard. You know, there are parts of of self and reality that we are unconscious of. And that episode really was just about uh, the the human tendency to create these standards and like aesthetics and ethics that lead us to, you know, creating certain identities where we identify with whatever is the clean, the good, the beautiful, the honorable, uh, whatever the case may be. We identify with that, and then we discard the dirty, the bad, the ugly, whatever that is, the the condemned. We throw it away, we push it to the side, and we relegate it to the shadow. And so really the the thing there in that episode, the dirtiness I was talking about is the shadow. All the things, all the parts of us that have become unconscious because we are unable, unwilling to integrate them as part of the self in that moment. We are unable to see them as part of reality. And so that was to say, God is everything. God is everything, and so all that we are discarding as dirt is part of God too, right? And I just wanna make a note here, that oftentimes people speak of the shadow and we think of you know the bad things, what are the parts of me that are bad and ugly that uh i I've forgotten about that I've pretended don't exist uh even here, either the word dirtiness can make one believe that that's what I'm talking about, the bad things, but I'm not really speaking about just the things that we we would label as bad or ugly or whatever. I'm really just speaking about anything that we tend to relegate to the shadow for any reason whatsoever, right? So an example here, something that generally, uh, an example from this story, something that we generally as humans uh, instantly regard as bad and dirty is aggression, right? Uh, And in this story... I had discarded my aggression as dirt. But then if you look at it, this aggression actually turns out to be a good thing. Because this aggression, in many ways, uh, could have saved me a lot of pain. This aggression could have, you know, saved the the next person, my ex, a lot of pain. It could have... um helped me stand up for myself in many more situations outside of this one story. Just the ability to name my boundaries, to name my desires, to name, uh, this is who I am. This is what I care about. This is what I want. Right. And I think in the next season, we'll speak a lot more about boundaries and desires, but for now, uh, my lack of aggression, which we'd normally label as a bad thing. My lack of aggression wasn't such a good thing, you know. Uh, and here, again, just to illustrate how when I say dirtiness, I'm not just talking about the things that we we would label as bad, uh, because here it's also my lack of boundaries you know, it's my lack of maybe self-respect, it's my lack of self-awareness, it's my lack of vulnerability, because I think it takes vulnerability to be able to disappoint someone, to say to someone, no, because then you are putting yourself in this vulnerable spot of um, having to to witness and to, to you know, um, be in this I don't know, this this container where I've expressed my boundaries, but now they have the, the space to express how they feel about my boundaries. You know, maybe it's disappointment. Uh, whatever the thing there is, uh, it puts me in a space of vulnerability. And vulnerability, self-respect, self-awareness, uh, boundaries, these are things we would label as good. But here I was in this experience having discarded these things as dirt, right, uh, the other episode is I am the corrupt politician, which basically was saying the exact same thing as dirtiness is next to godliness, but now speaking about the dirt that is other human beings, right, uh, or the dirt that is a human characteristic. So really I was saying that sometimes we tend to identify with the cleanliness so much. We tend to identify with being a clean and good person and this heavily identifying leads to not being aware of the times when we're not acting in accordance to that cleanliness, right? It's it, because we we've discarded the the dirtiness as dirt. We've discarded it. When it does show up, we can't see it. Or sometimes it shows up in our lives in sneaky little ways, like in that Carl Jung quote, Uh, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will rule your life and you will call it fate. Because the unconscious doesn't mean the non-existent, which is why dirtiness is next to godliness. Everything is God. That dirtiness exists within God. We just aren't aware of it and to become aware is to what now people call shadow work. It's to integrate that and to realize, oh, I can be a dirty person. I can be the corrupt politician. Okay, so I'm going to end the story here and we'll continue it in part two of this episode. And for now though, I want to share with you a second story of the moral and this is a practical way to find our blind spots to recognize which parts of us we have discarded as dirt. And the way to do this is to look at what it is that we judge in other people. So I don't know where I heard these words but uh, they've stayed with me ever since I've heard them. But the words are, judgment without begets judgment within, and judgment within begets judgment without. So oftentimes, this is kind of like the principle, as within, so without, because oftentimes... The things that we project onto other people and the the feelings we have about our external reality is a reflection of our internal reality. And oftentimes the things that we look at in other people and we judge and we consider dirty, oftentimes the exact same thing exists within us. The only thing is we disidentify ourselves from that thing. We believe that we are separate from that thing we've dissociated from that thing and we believe that is not us because oftentimes when we're judging someone for something part of the thing that we're saying there is could never be me me never you know uh and so that's a very good way to find out which parts of ourselves we have discarded as dirt Um, and I also just want to note here that this is a very brilliant thing that you know we just naturally do because the human identity I mean we have to have an identity we have to have this belief about who we are and the story that we tell ourselves about who we are and um, this this act of judging others is to create the illusion that we are separate from the that person you know so um we're also just then because we we identify as this particular person it means that you know we can create and hold on to a particular identity and therefore this identity is true and real and you know that there's a part of the world that's outside of this identity, and we can hold on to this illusion. Uh, This is really the concept um, that I explored in the very first episode of uh, season two, which was titled, Earth is Spinning and the Humans are Dizzy, which was this play on, you know, we are God, we are the all, pretending that we are not. We're dizzy merely because the earth is spinning. The dizziness is just an illusion. And we like to hold on to this illusion. We like to pretend that we are not God, that we are not dizzy because we are spinning. We like to pretend that the dizzy is our truest state, but that is not true. So Uh, I hope that you try out this exercise, I hope that you can recognize um, all the ways that perhaps you are the dirt, all the ways that you are the corrupt politician, and just to say here, just a disclaimer, in all of this, even in doing this practice and thinking about, you know, what are the things that I judge in other people, in all of this, I ask for you to, to be compassionate with yourself which is a very, very important thing, the next part of the story will explore this thing of compassion. Um, I think it's very, very important that we are compassionate with ourselves and that we we can hold ourselves with grace, right? And recognize that we're very complex and very vulnerable creatures. And it's important that even when we do discover parts of ourselves that we're repulsed by, that we think are dirty and ugly, that we always, always remember that we are God that the dirtiness is next to godliness and that in the in the dirtiness in the disgust we are still part of holiness we are whole right and the dirtiness is what makes us whole i hope you can remember that i hope you can hold yourself with love and compassion And I hope you join me in the next part of this story. I love you very, very much. Sending you lots of love. Mwah!